0: Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and since 2014, I've been celebrating and commiserating with New York Times bestselling authors like today, experts, and moms around the world. Listeners, today we are celebrating Kate Bowler. We are recording this on President's Day, and Kate's memoir, Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved, has just debuted on the New York Times hardcover nonfiction bestseller list. Her new memoir shares her journey after being diagnosed with stage four colon cancer when she was 35 years old and her son was two. Kate is an assistant professor in the School of Divinity at Duke University. She's also the author of Blessed a history of the American prosperity gospel, and host of Everything Happens, my new favorite podcast featuring honest conversations about life's toughest challenges. She lives in North Carolina with her husband and son, and I have Kate on the phone right now, and I just got to say, off the bat, I have the best listeners ever, and occasionally (laughs) I will get a message. And listeners will be like, secretly, I think that you're my really, really good friend, Ellie. And I've always (laughs) been super touched by that. But listeners, now now I get it because that's like Kate for me. Because Kate, listening to your memoir and your podcast, like this past week, we spent so much time together. You kept me company like at my preschool pickup. You were there for me when I was like tossing out like the weird fuzzy things in my fridge. Like we spent a lot of time together. And you don't know me, but I'm pretty sure we're really good friends. So hi, friend. Thanks for coming on Atomic (laughs) Moms.
1: (laughs) So honored. What a great week with you. It was
0: awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. So, <laughs> uh, everybody, I love everything that Kate has to say about, you know, religion and the book and also in her interview with Terry Gross. So go check out that interview because I want to focus on the parenting aspect of Kate's life today. And that way also you can write me and be like, yeah, Ellie, you're just as good as Terry Gross. So (laughs) first I wanna talk to you, Kate, about your mama life. Tell us about your little Zach, like how old is he? What's he into these days? Like what's the most delicious part about him?
1: Oh my gosh, yeah, little Zach attack. Uh, He's four. He's like, oh man, he like barely knows what room he's in. He's always so excited to be there, wherever (laughs) that is. He's just like, he's really snuggly and imaginative. And that's kind of my favorite thing right now is... We're really into making up stories, and that feels like that's cool. I get to, like, peel away in little parts of his mind, and right now he's really into making up stories about a dog named Ruffy who lives in the museum nearby, and, like, Ruffy gets into all kinds of adventures.
0: Oh, that sounds so much sweeter than my four-year-old who <laughs> we were, I, uh, <laughs> I made a uh, a little tent with our kitchen table. I'm kind of a lazy parent, so I just threw mm-hmm. a blanket over it and was like, we're in a tent now, and I was trying to do storytelling with her. Uh, it, but I was also watching my girlfriend's three-year-old and I didn't want to scare him, but my daughter is always asking for witches. And so I'd be like, and then the prince and princess, and she'd be like, where's the witch?
1: And I'd be like,
0: it's a nice <laughs> witch. And she's like, no, it's a really mean witch. Where's the mean witch? Wow.
1: This is a decline narrative. Like this took a dark turn. Yeah. Mine always takes a surprising turn. Like, oh. um you know, something dangerous or exciting or about adrenaline is about to happen. And like, <laughs> I sort of like that sense of, like, endless anticipation kids give you, like, yeah, but what, what's next? Right. Like, and that's both exhausting and maybe the best part about them. I agree. Um, so in
0: Everything Happens for a Reason, you write about Zach's birth. And yeah. you say, it felt like something had pushed the reset button and my life had only begun. I should have asked for a birth certificate for myself. And I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about that. In what ways do you feel like you were reborn?
1: Yeah. Oh, man. Like, I, and like, I just like to start by saying that I was very surprised by that because I'm not like a super sentimental person about children. (laughs) I just am not. Like, I love them. I think they are wonderful. I worked in daycare forever, so I loved it like, you know, like they're great. And like, I like them as little minds. Um, I like that they don't understand probability. I think that's hilarious. You know, like they can't tell what is more likely to happen just as a general concept. Like how funny is that to live that way? Um, but like, I, I you know, I, I, I wanted to have a, I wanted to have a kid partly because I thought like people have kids. And then when, When he was born and they like, I had the worst like drama, 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 pregnancy and delivery. But then they put him in my arms and he looked at me and he was like fully himself. And then I realized like parenting isn't like you invent something like parenting is that you discover someone and like there he was. And I thought like, oh my goodness, we are actually at the beginning of a great adventure. And like, I can't wait to see how this turns out. Oh,
0: so good. We recently did a podcast about how becoming a mother is like this metamorphosis. And it made me reflect back on um, my four-year-old's birth story. I also have a six-month-old, but my four-year-old's birth story that I wrote when she was probably only like six months. And I highly recommend everyone to like sit down and like write your crazy-ass birth story. (laughs) And so what I wrote was... Uh, my daughter's birthday is September—well, this is the end of the story, obviously. I mean, there was like a vibrator. There was construction workers in our house. We stopped at In-N-Out Burger. I mean, it was a real—it <laughs> was a big event. But <laughs> I wrote at the end, my daughter's birthday is September 11th. She picked the day. She mm-hmm. already knows what I've had to learn and relearn over these several years. Mm-hmm. We live in a world of opposites where the most terrible and the most wonderful coexist. That's what the human experience is, isn't it? It's shitty, and it's awesome. It's painful, and it's joy-filled. And so on your blog today, you wrote, My life now is a three-month liturgy. Every 90 days, I'm pumped full of dye read by machines and scrutinized to find out whether I get another 90 days to live. This hopscotch timeline means I have to make very calculated decisions about how I spend my time. So in living with incurable cancer, Kate, you write about how you must learn to live in, quote, ordinary time. Can you share with us, like, what does that mean? What does ordinary time mean to you?
1: Uh Well, like, cause the church has this calendar that's usually like studded by the, the fun stuff or the very sad stuff, you know, Easter, <laughs> yay, crucifixion, boo, boo. You know, like, yeah. Christmas, adorable. Uh, so it has some high points and then it has all that filler time, you know, and the filler time is they call it ordinary time and it's usually aggressively boring in some ways. Um, but like I, because I have these really dramatic high points and also low points, I, it's really easy then to just mentally be always skipping forward. Hmm. And I noticed that that's something really similar about parenting. Like, like, you know, I've got all these trips in my mind that i love to take with him. I've always wanted to be the parent. That's like the cool parent that travels. And like, we're wearing sort of lightly matching shirts, but not too matchy matchy. And we're in the airport headed somewhere. Complimenting each other. Yeah. Yeah. We just go, we don't match, you know? And, uh, and then like, In the in the middle of my high drama life, I I was all of a sudden like hemmed in by the worst things. Like, I've had to have so many treatments that keep me tethered to a hospital, and I always have to know, you know, where the pharmacist is, and like, do I have the right specialist on speed dial? And I hate that because it keeps me locked into the average and the boring, like the ordinary time. And it's so easy then to forget like the beauty of that middle place, you know? And, and so I've tried really hard to maybe learn the best parts about parenting from learning just what the day holds as opposed to like what a world of endless possibility could mean. So like, you know, I, this week, for example, I usually like think of my life mostly in terms of like this week because Mm -hmm. everything's so dramatic. So like, I've got this really scary scan tomorrow. And so today is going to have like, I think I will like build a pillow fort with Mm -hmm. Zach. And I think we will get really snuggly and he'll drive me crazy. But like, I want to get back to that feeling where I'm being recharged, like a battery full of all the things that matter rather than like living in a possible terrible Sunday.
0: Yes, I, uh, um, I was housebound actually with this latest pregnancy, but also after a surgery where I was home for about four months. And I really had to focus on like the little delights, right? It was like my husband surprised me with rice pudding in the fridge. And I was like, yes, this reminds me of college when I lived with my best friends above the rice pudding shop. You know, like I'm adding all these this meaning to it that he was just sort of like, you wanted rice pudding. And I'm like, no, but this is like, I'm loved. And so these little delights, and I know that our children can give that to us when we're focused on it. I wonder though, have you noticed that like, as a society, that like when moms are f- trying to focus on the simple life, it can that can get dangerous. And like, I saw that Joanna Gaines from Fixer Upper, she's got this yeah. new home line at Target. And like, I really, really want the dinner triangle bell, even though I don't even cook. <laughs> so, like, give us give, talk to us about like simplicity and like yeah. how to like rein it in though, because we're doing this fake oh. simple thing.
1: It's totally fake. And like, I think, I mean, it is, you can just even look at the median income. This is a historian talking, but you can look at the median income of like magazines about simplicity. And like, you will see like, this has gotten out of control. Like (laughs) it really has. And I think it's, it's easy to have like the substitute for it because Mm -hmm. it's the thing that looks, I mean, it looks, it looks like simplicity and it looks like authenticity and it looks like, you know, like nailing the parenting thing. But honestly, this is why I got crazy about Christmas cards. Like the sticker I got, and then the more I would get these Christmas cards in the mail of like everybody and their super happy families, Uh Uh I was starting to lose it because it looked a lot like, like, Oh, they have figured out family. Like they know what it's like to sit on this photo couch in the middle of a field of wheat and like just revel in the joy of parenthood. And like, here I am. And I'm like sick and gross. And I look terrible, (laughs) you know, like nothing about my life looks pretty. And so like, it can't be that, it can't be that. And it can't be like, paring down my dishes and it can't even be organizing my kids toys because i oh. swear to you every weekend i play with those toys more than he does by like trying to put them all back together to make it look nice yes it's like, such a, waste of, time. Such it is a, waste. a waste of time and like he's not happy with me like like you know oh no the thing, light year like does he is that how he wanted to spend his weekend with me like trying to reassemble buzz Lightyear? year right it's so
0: dumb no, he doesn't. And then the, to go back to the Christmas card for a minute, because listen, I grew up in Houston and I really appreciated <laughs> everything you said about uh, Joel Osteen and just that. I didn't even realize like how much the prosperity gospel had yeah. sort of infiltrated my upbringing, even though that's, you know, I, I'm like yeah. half Catholic, half Presbyterian, like whatever. But I, but that it's just a part of our culture there because I was like, oh, my God, yeah. Like the matching <laughs> denim outfits for the, the holiday pictures, totally. totally. Like I got to look shiny. I, you know, this fear I have of being seen as flawed or broken. We have to seem a certain way. And, yeah. and so I did do the holiday cards this year. I didn't get my act together to actually put them out, but I totally— totally put them on Instagram, and I made everybody miserable in doing them. And yeah. I noticed that when I'm organizing my daughter's choice, trying to, right, like, it's just totally oh, wow. about me wanting control over, like, some aspect of my life.
1: Yeah, and because it feels good, and, like, organization feels good, and I love it when my house has that museum-quality feeling, and... <laughs> so perfectly you know, curated,
0: Kate. <laughs>
1: it's so curated. But, like... I just have to remember and like I am I am really terrible because I'm the person who like cleans until I get grouchy and like I didn't scale it back. You yep. know, like there probably was a moment like forty five minutes before that moment where it could have been good enough, but like no no no. no. Like no. was making no. it great.
0: We're I, the same person, but then I always want to quit the last five percent, which was when really it's like a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> but your podcast totally helped did. me get through that, by the way.
1: <laughs> what? Really? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah.
0: No, I was trying I was going through uh Finally getting rid of like oh like even like the hospital underwear. I'm a little yeah. behind guys. Like I had to finally go through those <laughs> stores yesterday. You kept me company with it. But anyway, continue.
1: It's just hard to like like for instance, I I was realizing that people sometimes on Instagram or whatever if they were, if they also had cancer, would call themselves like cancer moms. And I realized that to me, when I saw those words side by side, like I just didn't see how they fit together because like the mom has this like effortless, glossy hair, skinny jeans, like, Mm -hmm. Oh, this whole thing, just picking up your kid with your designer handbag at the playground kind of feel to me. And then cancer is like, it is by definition hideous. Like Even if you have nail polish, they will take it off for surgery to check your pulse on your finger. Like anything that was once pretty will be taken away from you. Yeah. (laughs) And it's hard then to live with like the ugliness. And then you bring your bring your ugliness to this like beautiful little perfect creature who also probably wants to like tear the needle out of your chest by accident because, Mm -hmm. you know, children are monsters. And like they it just didn't seem possible for me intellectually to have these two parts of my life exist side by side without me having to actually redefine what mom means. So what does it mean, Kate? <laughs> yeah, there's one definition. I, figured out. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I only figured out one thing. And like the only thing I figured out is I thought it was about protecting him and making like a bubble that he lives in. And then when I realized that like I was the bad thing. Like I was the thing that like was going to happen to him. Then I realized like that was a bad idea. (laughs) Like then that means that I can never be like the good and beautiful thing in his life if something bad happens to me. So I was like, okay, no, like what I'm learning in cancer is that it is, there's a way in which when we get cracked open, Mm. we can actually see beautiful and true and hard things at the same time. So maybe my job is to teach him that not just try to pretend that it doesn't exist.
0: Oh, I got chills. That's so good. <laughs> it's so true. And we are cracked open. And and I will um, push back a little bit about – I understand what you're saying about how cancer and babies seem so – like opposites, right? But at the same time, yeah. there's so much stripping away that happens with both, yeah. like stripping away of yeah. identity and of labels. Yeah. And and it really is coming to terms with our humanness um yeah. the beauty yeah. and also uh the sense of time and that it's yeah, always it's it's going. It's going. And it's I I feel like we share something kind of unique in that your work and your memoir and for me this podcast, like that they're both these thinly veiled love letters to our children in the future in case we're not around. And it's actually something I've talked about a lot over the years on this show. Uh, that I'm afraid of running out of time. And I'm obsessed with the musical Hamilton. I (laughs) named my daughter Eliza uh, after his wife. Anyways, I I want them to know how much they're loved. And I also want my daughters to know that, you know, like if they have kids, like I want them to be able to like get all that annoying grandparent advice from me, even if I'm not there. Like that's going to be totally outdated by then. Um, But I (laughs) – and so now I've got hundreds of hours of advice from this podcast, but um that they'll be able to roll their eyes at. But uh, I- I'm wondering if we could share something with our kids for the future. So, uh, if Zach happens to listen someday, and I'll yeah. go first. So Sabrina and Eliza, here's my one piece of advice for you when you have your own children. Don't take parenting personally. Because your kids are going to throw tantrums. They're going to say really mean, hateful things to you. Like, by the way, Sabrina, yesterday in Target, I did not appreciate how you told me I was a terrible mother (laughs) because I wouldn't let you have candy. You're so mean to me. But I did my best not to take it personally. Don't believe them when they say the mean things because you're wonderful. And I know you're doing the best you can. Okay, your turn,
1: Kate. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I think it's related to like Zach being a discovery and not something I invented But, okay, Zach, um, whoever you are, whoever is around you probably doesn't fully understand the sum totality of who you are. I think, like, growing up, I'll have told you stories and other people have told you stories and, like, some of it will be true and real and some of it will be just, like, inventions because we are limited and we can only see you through our own eyes. Like, there is a story about who you are that is unfolding over time and it will be beautiful. And I am so grateful for the parts that I clearly recognize, which is that you are hilarious. You are really funny and you understand how to read a room and that is going to work. Oh, that is going to work for you. (laughs) But like, (laughs) but the rest of it, like all your weirdness, all the stuff you baby hide, like you will still be a discovery and you will figure it out. And like, don't believe everyone when they tell you they know who you are.
0: Oh, that's so
1: good. Now I want to redo mine. No, I'm kidding. That is so good. (laughs)
0: Okay, so many of our listeners, they are struggling with autoimmune disorders. They have pain that, you know, they don't know if things are going to get better. I have other listeners who have shared their struggles with infertility, and I really appreciate in your memoir how you share that as well. We talk about pregnancy loss. Like, Atomic Mamas are just this exquisite ragtag bunch of, like, women opening their eyes to the dazzling beauty and just also, like, the piercing pain. So... Mm. Why, Kate, why is it so hard for humans to make space for human suffering? And like Um, shitty things have always happened, right? Like shitty things have always been happening and people have always been dying. So like why Uh, do we as a society like suck so hard at just like sitting with it?
1: Yeah. And I think this is especially true. You are clearly my people. And like this is especially true for moms because like in Christian terms, we would say like – Cause what people do to the category of mom is idolatry, right? Like it, it like makes a fake shiny thing on a pedestal out of something that is like real and breathing and beautiful, you know? And like, it makes a lie out of something true, which is to say, it always has to be perfect. And it's not like a lot of us, as you're describing are trapped in bodies that fall apart and like sometimes have it together. And most of the time just want to take a nap. And like, mm-hmm. I want to take lots of naps I'm not taking. So I, I, I think the main reason why we're so bad we're terrible to moms in particular I think uniformly but like it reminds me of something my little sister said when I was super hurt by how this one person was like really trivializing my cancer and she said oh sweetie people say these things to you because they love you and they lack imagination <laughs> I thought that was Perfect. Cause like there's a desire to rush in cause no one likes to feel helpless. Like, yeah, they love me, but like we reach for the nearest thing to like shove in that space that like our finitude creates. And like, guess what? Like there's just no papering over like our frail bodies or our frail anything. Like we are in this life to a person going to have a minute where we can't get it together. And, like, that makes people really uncomfortable because it presents a problem. Well, what if you can't get it together either? Like, oh, well, then you're 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 down in the mess with me. And, like, no one wants to feel like they might be as unlucky as I am.
0: So a lot of our listeners feel isolated because of the, all the reasons you just oh. listed, right? And um, yeah. Yeah. motherhood is a stage in life where you need support. And it can be yeah. really hard for moms to make friends. Yeah. And uh, I didn't even... Man, my mom didn't have any friends when I was born. She was like in a new town and her marriage was falling apart and she didn't have any girlfriends. And I I just – God, I wish I could go back in time and fix that for her because I think she would have had um, such a better experience in my early years. And um, it's funny that now I've got this show that kind of – fills that need for people temporarily. Like, I'm always yeah. kind of like, you're my people. And then you can, you know, like make other friends too. But like, we're here. <laughs> we're your yeah. friends on demand. <laughs> but I'm wondering, clearly, girlfriends are like a really, really important part of your life. Yeah. Um, and you've yeah. got really magical girlfriends. And so wh-
1: like, what's your, oh, man, what's like- your secret? But they don't live here like I have this is honestly like this has been tough because I have beautiful friends and just because the nature of my job like I'm often like I often have to live away and apart and cancer has been the worst because like I've just really been struggling with like the young mom bracket because my life I think I think it's just hard for people to small talk with someone that they're like I don't know. I think it I think it makes a lot of people really uncomfortable. So I've struggled a bit with that. I'm so grateful to have had people reach out. But, like, it's been hard for me to make friends after cancer, like, once they know, especially on the mom stuff. So it has, it has been isolating.
0: Well, can you tell me a little more about that? Like, are people afraid of talking about the trivial with you, like, complaining about? Like, I love uh, in the book how you talk I about, think, you know, your mother-in-law <laughs> like, bitching about aging, you know?
1: And, like, I think it's maybe... Well, it was awkward too for people when I like couldn't have another kid because I just, with cancer treatment, I just can't. And so everyone, it was like, it was fine when it was one and we were all on the same stage. And then everyone started having like their second and their third. And I think like it just kind of lapsed into silence because it was so obvious that like cancer had taken away something. Like I would have chose differently. Mm -hmm. Like I would have had another kid. And like, I think that maybe, I don't want to like, pretend I know exactly what they're thinking, but it did feel like there was such an obvious beginning of an obvious separation between us. And so I found like children's birthdays banter, like the worst.
0: Oh, it is. That's why we drink (laughs) a lot, Adam. No, I'm kidding.
1: I want to go to that one and oh, to that yeah. one.
0: Yeah, you got to come to my preschool. <laughs> <There's>,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> the, the, the it's more for the parents. It's great. The food's really <laughs> good, uh, but no, it's yeah, it, that is really hard. Like, do you think it's also that people are afraid of it, imposing on you? Because again, that the, the sense, the time thing was like when your publishers reached out to me to interview you. I was like, oh, my God, Of co- like, of course, yes. And then there was that moment of like, no, Kate has way more important things to do than this 30 Aww. minutes. And there was like a real push and
1: pull there. Oh, that's so nice. You know, I do think probably just because of, you know, like I, I have like my momming takes up a lot of time and yeah. like. I'm, I'm back at work and the hospital takes up a lot of time. Like, I think probably only the really brave and stubborn actually contact me <laughs> and are like, we are friends. And I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> thank
0: you. That's I'm so glad you just said that, the stubborn. Like, that is totally something that no one has ever said. <laughs> I don't think in the history of the universe, no one has ever said that. That is such an important aspect of mom friendship. You must yeah. be stubborn. And well, if total. someone like blows you off, don't again, don't take it personally, right? Like I'm yeah. saying to my kids, but also like come back. Yeah. Because like who knows? Like on a day-to-day basis, like with my anxiety and everything else, like there are times I'll get a text, I don't even notice the text, and yes. then I'm like, "Oh god, how many friendships have just dissolved because I was driving and I didn't want to text back and then I totally forgot because 12 other things happened." Like be totally. stubborn.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And like, cause my, my life is complicated and I find that sometimes kind of embarrassing because I feel like I'm not fit for polite company sometimes because people will be like, how are you doing? I'm like, actually (laughs) the taste of steel in my mouth from, you know, treatment is like, that's not polite, but it is true. And like it does kind of it what the, the the best part is it can jump start like real friendship intimacy where you're really real. But the harder part is like you need the onboarding part <laughs> where like people go from like zero to friendship and you need to like it I feel like it takes a certain kind of person who's like, Oh, I, I'm in it for this. I'm in it. Yes.
0: Like we have to all I love I'm getting really preachy today. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I'm like, Oh, I've had coffee, so I know everything now. Um <laughs> I I really think that we need to all come to terms with, like, what a hot mess we are. And if we're willing to really accept that, like, friendship will come, I promise, like, with the best girls. Like, I attract the best hot messes because I have a daily practice of coming to terms with the fact that I am a total hot mess. <laughs> um, so, okay, I know you're going to end up on Super Soul Sunday. Like, I just know it, right, Oprah? show? And, um It's just going to happen. And you kind of like you get into it a little bit with Oprah, like in a polite way, because it's Oprah.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, so like, this is the thing, though, with self-help, like, yeah. Okay, so just like, permit me the two minute historian, but like, so self-help ideologies, like they start out of these religious beliefs in the power of like, the the mind and the power of like, positive thought. And the thing is, is like, so early on it became a part of the way Americans think about uplift in almost every variety and religious, not religious, like lightly secular documentaries that people send me unsolicited, like everything. And so someone like Oprah, um, is a big believer in that the idea that there's no such thing as luck, like the sense that people are all kind of like every, there's an invisible math. Right. And I think so much of that is really important because it helps people, latch onto a sense of possibility when everything seems impossible. Like that's that ability to like find that little spark in yourself that lets you get up and like make that call to the doctor or like at least just wash your hair. Like that's important. So agency super important. But the, the part that's punitive though, is like when you start realizing you're, you're facing down terrible stuff and you are living in a culture that thinks that everything happens for a reason. And you're like, Oh crap. Then does that mean all my, all my illness, all my misfortune? Like you want to explain that to me? Mm. So it's it's a tough push pull where you like, you need to like, like draw a fine line between the difference between like agency and like, I don't know, megalomania. Cause I, I like tilt hard toward megalomania. I really <laughs> <do>. <laughs>
0: Well, I look forward to you saying that to Oprah because I know that you're going to be on Super Soul Sunday. I just know it. I know it. I can feel it in my bones. Um, But I also – I find it's tricky as well because I do find comfort in the idea of being able to look back on my life and pull meaning out of it and being like, well, these are the lessons I've learned. Or if I hadn't gone through this, I wouldn't be cracked open enough to talk to you about that. Can you share the story about you knew someone who had a baby with Down syndrome?
1: Oh man, so this um friend uh, had a baby with Down syndrome and then just like couldn't uh, couldn't bring himself to acknowledge that this child um, had any kind of disease as or as in an attempt to not sort of what the movement called like negatively confess, but like say something that would then he worried like become true because he said it aloud. And so like the, 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 the idea was like, well, if I just, if I don't acknowledge it, then I won't make it more real. And like, this baby's already perfect. And like, of course that baby is perfect. But what it did Mm -hmm. was it, it then created a silence around an issue that like required required more than just hopeful thought. It required like, man, that minute of acknowledgement and then like a grappling with what that is going to mean for that family and that baby's life. So it's just what it, what it does. I, I just find so often like in the face of something terrible, which is to say, Um, our own failing bodies or any kind of diagnosis that there has to be a grappling before there's an acknowledgement of the beauty. And sometimes we just want to skip that part.
0: Totally want to skip it, right?
1: Then it's all fine. And like actually pretending can do a lot of damage.
0: Yes. So my grandmother, I was on the phone with her yesterday and she, she has lung cancer and she is such a Presbyterian, like just... I mean, it was very interesting to talk to her and realize like, oh, she's dealing with, you know, these final months in the same way that she's lived her life, which is like not taking up a lot of space, trying to make fun things into work, which is totally what I do. So like she has this – she loves needlepoint. But she treats it like work, right? Just kind of like I treat the podcast like work, yeah. but it's this big tapestry. And she's like, your mother is, I just feel so bad. Your mother's going to have so much work to do to finish this for me. I don't know why I picked it out. I, and I'm like, Nana, like do the big tapestry, like enjoy it. Like, you, like who cares about my mom having to finish it? Like, yeah. but this fear of like taking up space, um, mm-hmm. especially when she's nearing the end. And so yeah. you write about, um, you, you talk about how you are trying to take up more space. Like that you're trying, I think it was on your podcast, you mentioned that you're trying to make your world bigger than cancer. So what does that look like for you? Like how are you taking up space? How are you opening yourself up to this whole world when you're, when especially you're in this, um, yeah. again going back to ordinary time? in the sense that like you're, you're still like you're with your son and and you don't necessarily feel like you, you know, you don't feel like you have all the time yeah, yeah, in the yeah. world.
1: Yeah. And like, there's a tendency, I don't know, at least in times of crisis to like go into a scarcity mentality. Yes. Like, oh crap. Like there is not enough. Like there's not enough time. There's not enough money. And like, so often like that stuff is real. It's not invented. Like I was dealing with bill collector problems because of insurance debacles related to my terrible illness. So, like, one illness is not enough. I have to, like, compound the terrible. And so, you know, you just – you really – it's really easy to, like, go into emergency brain where you're, Mm -hmm. like, always trying to run the math. And, like, what that does, though, is it tends to, like, preclude joy or, like, whimsy or just doing stupid things for no reason or, like, you know – so like, I'm a historian, which means I'm meant to be like, very serious. I am actually I'm in my office at this moment, like surrounded by very serious books. And like in an hour, I will teach a class where I assigned a 350 page book that most people will only vaguely understand, including myself. Like, <laughs> everything is meant to be really straightforward. And like, I'm not supposed to you know, I don't know, run around, talk about my cancer feelings. But like (laughs) part of it is like, man, like, I don't know what this world is going to hold for me. But like this conversation right now is like teaching me things and bringing me joy. But like it takes a little bravery, right? Mm -hmm. Like I have to kind of take a running start at this. And that's how I'm trying to treat my weeks is like, okay, this week is going to be brave. And it's going to be beautiful. And I and it might cost me a little something. But like, wouldn't it be cool if I tried?
0: Okay, professor. So I've got a very brave question for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it. In closing, what? Okay, what's your favorite reality show right now?
1: Oh my gosh, it's so bad. It's like not even the Bachelor. It's the Bachelor Winter Games. What? <laughs> it's so low rent. I love it. But there's Canadians <laughs> in it, and they, they can all skate backwards, which no Americans can apparently. It's like very exciting. <laughs> Okay. So, uh,
0: listeners, I'm rebooting this thing. It's the mom bomb and it's like a, something that's inspiring or a good kick in the ass. And uh, this week's uh, I'm stealing from Kate's memoir. Uh, it's something that she says to her mother-in-law who she she totally adores, but her mother-in-law was like, you know, complaining about aging and um, something I've been starting to do. I'm like my <laughs> 11s between my eyebrows. And so here is Kate. Here's a mom bomb uh, from Kate, and it's, I think aging is a f***ing privilege. So take that into the week, ladies. I think aging is a f***ing privilege. It's true. <laughs> we need to hear that in L.A., <laughs> Thank you so much, Kate. I think you're wonderful. Oh my gosh, what a great time. Thanks for having me. Okay, listeners, so subscribe to this podcast at iTunes.com backslash Atomic Moms. And of course, subscribe to Kate's podcast as well and leave us both reviews. It helps with our ranking. Um, not that Kate will need it because she's a New York Times bestselling author. Uh, Reach <laughs> out to us on Instagram. I'm at Atomic Moms. And Kate, by the way, Kate is Kate C. Bowler. Now, don't forget the C. Otherwise, you'll be following some 21-year-old. I learned that the hard way. Okay. <laughs> (laughs) So until next week, everyone, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness. You know, like if you feel like it, rock on, Atomic Moms.